I'm going to do a little introduction on Ray Owens. Most of you know Ray, and we appreciate him coming to speaking to us this morning. Um, Neil's just wanted me to remind everybody that uh, Ray is a particularly good friend and sponsor uh, of Neil's and this church and all churches in the Louisiana area, and we appreciate that. Uh, just so any newcomers will know, uh, Ray is uh, served bivocationally in both psychology and pastoral ministry since 1978. He is retiring from ministry at uh, North Crossings Church at the end of this year, uh, but I know he leaves the church in good hands, and we appreciate your years of service there. He will continue to serve as uh, and be heavily involved in Louisiana Ministries of the Church of God. He will be our Northeast Louisiana Regional Pastor, and he continues as Chairman of the Camp Pollock Association and many other areas. We appreciate Ray being with us this morning and uh, look forward to the message that he has for us. Make sure this is on. Is it good? We're good. Okay, great. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everybody uh, here at my Cypress Street Church family. It's good to be here and uh, share what the Lord's laid on my heart. Uh, first of all, uh, Neil had asked me to say a couple things about the video. Uh, some of you might have seen it uh, at camp. Uh, we were a little late on getting it out. But I, I am a very big believer in uh, the unity in unity in the church. If we can't be one, uh, man, <laughs> there's no hope. In this country right now, there's not a lot of unity. Um, and it doesn't mean that we all see eye to eye, that we all come from the same background, we're all the same color, we're all the same whatever. But in, the, in Christ, we're all one. And unity should happen. But I appreciate all your support for all the ministries of the state you're not able to be aware of maybe everything you give where it goes, but we don't have a lot of administrative top-heavy salaries. Uh, in fact, you could take uh, the salary of us regional pastors and double it and add a penny and you'd have a penny, okay? It's, uh, it's, it's a labor of love. And uh, Brother Steve doesn't make, you know, that much. And, uh, you know, Sister Dawn and Craig Carter and Brother Dale and all of those that are involved. It's, it's not about money. It's about serving. But I especially love what happens. And I know you guys are very supportive of Camp Pollock. Just every summer to have, you know, 300 to 400 kids of which, you know, last summer 82 accepted the Lord for the first time. And then we also are partnering with other church organizations because I'm very kingdom focused. I'll go ahead and tell you. Y'all, most of you know, a few of you know, I am, there's no one more Church of God Anderson than me. Uh, I mean, I'm fourth generation Church of God pastor. Uh, my great-grandfather great started the Church of God in Louisiana. So there's nobody, but I am kingdom focused because I'm Jesus focused. And we have several other organizations that we partner with that we don't rent the camp anymore. They just pay for their expenses. And we had an additional 200 saved uh, through that. Uh, so I'm really excited about all the things we do. Um, encourage you, if you ever get a chance to come to a work day, definitely support camps. Grandparents, parents, 
send your kids to Camp Pollock. I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm not trying to be critical, but I guess I feel led to say it. You know, there were times we had one daughter, I raised several girls, but one biological daughter, Brooke, and there were some times, you know, early on, she didn't really want to go to camp. And uh, we said, no, as for me and my house, we're going to camp, you're going to camp. Every time she came back, I'll never not go to camp again. I love camp. I want to live at camp. Well, now that's a, isn't that one extreme to the other? That was before we had bipolar, by the way. But anyway, that was, uh, that was the extreme. Uh, there are extremely rare cases where uh, kids go to Camp Pollock and don't want to go back every year. And other girls in our youth group that, and, and children that, you know, I wanted to see his pastor or youth pastor go. Their parents didn't make that commitment. There seemed to always be a problem with that. And all I'm telling you, I look at where Brooke is in her life and I look at their life and all I'm telling you is all the foundations you pour into them for Jesus Christ does not come back void. That's where I want to leave that. So the decisions we make now for our kids and for ourselves have consequences for generations. So I want to thank you for your support. I appreciate what Neil told you to say. I do love Neil. I've tried to support him uh, and your church. It's been a long time since I've had the privilege to speak here and, um, you know, being a senior pastor. But hopefully I'll have a few more opportunities just to put everybody. I'm not really retiring. It's just Neil, you know, I brought on uh, uh Neil's cousin, Trey Oldham, and he's our, now our senior pastor. And the deal was he wouldn't come if I didn't stay for a while. And we're doing something different that's not ever been done around here. And that is, I stayed as senior pastor a while, then we made him senior pastor, me co-pastor, or us co-pastors. But anyway, January 1, he will be the senior pastor. And I think they're going to make me emeritus or something. You know, fancy term for you, old man, get out of here, I think. But but I'll still be there. That's still my home church. I'm still involved. Um, and definitely maybe have a few more opportunities to speak, uh, both in Louisiana and my kind of second adopted state of Kansas. So, you know, have some opportunities. So thank you very much. If you have your Bibles and want to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, uh, I'm going to read a very unusual for me. As you know, God kind of called us in ministry at North Crossings to college students and so our church is a lot of younger folks, um, and I love all ages. I really do. And so we had moved to the New Living Translation, but when it comes to the Christmas story, I memorized it when I was five years old in Luke chapter 2 in the King James. And so when I read it in other versions, I start kind of messing up. So we're going to read this together, and I'm going to read it out of uh, the latest uh, printing of uh, the King James Version, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. Um, the title of the message, as you see in the bulletin, is Fear Not, Good News. Brother Neil said he's in a Fear Not series and asked if I would uh, share on this topic. And uh, so I was very excited about it, and I want to read this with you. The Word of God, verse 8, King James Version, Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping over keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you 
good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the, angel, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. As you look at that story, uh, kind of broke it down into three sections. The first uh, verses 8 through 14, we see that the shepherds received this message. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. And then in verse 15 and 16, they responded. They went. They did something with it. A lot of people get messages but don't do anything with them. I've done that. You've done that. They went. And of course, as a result, they got to experience probably the most awesome event of all time to see it for themselves. And then finally, when they left, they relayed the message. So they received it, they responded, and they relayed the message. What a beautiful scripture. I hope that maybe you share that with your family when you read. I want to challenge you to make Christ a part of your family Christmas. I don't care if you're the only Christian in the extended family Make sure, or say I should say, in America everybody thinks they're Christian. The truly, uh, fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ in your family. I, I pr encourage you, you have the right to share the story of Christmas. Amen? Amen. So I want to speak to you about good news. And the first thing is, on this good news, if you look at it, the light, the good news, the light came at what time of day? Night? Daylight, nighttime. He came at nighttime. The news came at nighttime. And I thought about that. And, and, you, and I thought how appropriate it is that the light of the world came when? In darkness. In uh, John 8, 8, 12, you can look it up. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he came. And I just thought it was so appropriate. And I thought about the shepherds. One of the privileges I had a few years ago was to go to Israel with a bunch of pastors and get a tour put on by the Israeli government and uh, a church tour organization. And uh, my support and, and encouragement and appreciation for history to the Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox Church for trying their best to, through centuries, protect uh, sites but as time went on, you know, they find out sometimes sites aren't exactly where things happen. So we had the privilege to see the traditional sites, and they took us to kind of some um, 
uh, more accurate depictions of the sites. And in Bethlehem in particular, you go into Palestine. It's not part of uh, the Jewish section held by Israel. So you go through security areas. You're actually in Palestine. And Bethlehem's up on a hill and out in the valleys. And I mean, they're not rugged mountains, but they're pretty steep hills. And you can see where the shepherds were. And they took us into the cave where most likely Jesus was laid in the manger. They're like very pretty sure that's exactly where it was. And, um, and, and so we were there and as you stand there and you look out, you can just see these shepherds. And I imagine that they already knew uh, how powerful God was because they had seen beautiful sunsets. Have you seen a beautiful sunset? They've seen, as us deer hunters do sometimes, sunrise. And maybe you do once a year to sunrise service. But I mean total darkness and then twilight and then boom. You know, they've seen that. They've seen God in awesome storms. They looked up and seen the stars. And I will say, it does seem like there, or if you're in Colorado in high altitude, the stars are like double brightness. You know, they're very clear there. And as you look up, you see God everywhere. And you realize how small you are sometimes when you think about how God is, but particularly for the shepherds because I know maybe we need to be reminded, I'm sure you're aware of this, but shepherds at this time, it wasn't a family business anymore. They weren't viewed as uh, um, a great occupation. They literally were considered unclean, couldn't go into church. I'm glad today we don't have that. Uh, I'm glad today at this church we'd accept anybody. You know, uh, you know, they, they couldn't be accepted. They weren't viewed like maybe sometimes we view it in the little, you know, there's several inaccuracies, I guess, many times in our nativity scenes. But, you know, they, they were kind of outcast. Some, I did a little research and some say they were, many of them were kind of viewed as thieves, couldn't get any other job. So, hey, take the sheep and be a shepherd. You know, it's long changed since the days of King David when it was a family business. Things were different. And then all of a sudden at nighttime, this powerful thing that could not be explained by anything they'd ever seen, the, the sky is bright. There's this immediate angelic host. And if you read in the Bible, almost every time an angel shows up, what's one of the first things out of their mouth? The title of the series Fear not. And that's because if you're doing something and, an, and a being shows up that's on fire, literally burning on fire and bright, you're probably going to go, uh, you're not going to be able to talk. Yeah, even some of you who've never not not talked might not talk. It might be a rare speechless moment. Quit looking around, okay? All right, you know who you are. And then some of you who never talk and need to talk would probably be going, oh, blah, blah, blah. you know, I don't know. Yes, it was powerful. It was amazing, like nothing they ever saw. I remember reading when I was doing research for a sermon about seasoned journalists, and one was a great writer, an ungodly man, um, very powerful writer, and he got assigned the launch of Apollo 17 in Florida. 
And he said all the journalists were there, you know, CNN, NBC, CBS, all of them uh, back then. Um, and CNN was really starting to take off. And, you know, it was just... Re- and they were a very cynical crew, smoking cigarettes. That's before that was, you know, it was cool back then, smoking cigars and cigarettes. And they were... Language was pretty rough, he said. And they were cynical, cutting each other down. And then it was the famous countdown. And he said after that, he said the most bright light, tremendous force hit them. And there was silence. And they were holding on to their chairs as they watched Apollo 17 take off from the launch pad. And the Saturn rocket just overwhelmed them. And he said for a matter of two to three minutes, by the way, that's eternity for a talking journalist. There was silence and awe. I'm here to tell you what these shepherds experienced was a whole lot more powerful than Apollo 17. The Bible tells us that the angelic host showed up glorifying God. And they were sore afraid. I like that. Meaning they were scared to death. Okay? They were scared to death. Wow. What an event that Jesus came at the night time. You know, sometimes, and we're in fair night, and I believe Neil shared with you guys, Pastor Neil shared with you guys, that if I understand it right, when fear first came after man fell in the Garden of Eden and, and the fear you know, was upon man, and then since then God's used all these people and, and as God's word has been fear not. But I want to caution you just for a minute in this world today and in your life and in my life. I'm in ministry. I deal with this all the time. We also don't know, need to get, take God for granted or be like a lot of people I run around with. And that's one of the joys of being bivocational or being in the world like most of you are. You run around a lot of folks that... Uh, don't really know the Lord or they're not living the life and they call him the man upstairs and things like that. I mean, many other things I can't repeat in church. And every time they cuss, they use God, but it's not a good thing after that. You follow what I'm saying? It's, it's cursing. And I just want to tell you, there's a healthy fear of God. In fact, the word of God tells us that we should fear no man. We should fear who? Fear the one that controls the soul. You know what I mean? Fear God. There's a healthy fear of God. And I was thinking of that, and Neil and I were talking, actually. We were writing, thinking about writing the series out. And C.S. Lewis, who's probably one of the most uh, re- renowned, respected Christians of all time, because he wasn't a Christian and his mind was so brilliant, and after studying, he found God. And his famous children's series that's kind of become famous due to Disney getting the movies, The Chronicles of Narnia. And in that, there, he portrays this character, if you've never seen it, Jesus is a lion called Aslan. And there's a moment in there where Lucy, this girl who later becomes a leader in it, uh, is talking to a, an animal, the animals talk in this country called Narnia, to this beaver, and he's trying to explain the lion and, and all, and Lucy says, oh, I'm kind of scared to meet a lion. Is he safe? And 
the beaver says to Lucy, oh no, he's not safe, but he's good. He's our king. And, and I think that's kind of a good thing that C.S. Lewis was trying to say is the creator of the universe, the one that could just do, think a thought, and it is, is something to fear in a healthy way. Do you follow what I'm saying? Have fear and respect. Not fear like, uh, I don't mean that. But I'm just here to tell you if an angel shows up to me, if God's spirit comes upon me, and it's happened before, I'm telling you, it might not be a vision, it might be in a deer stand, it might be looking at something, I'm going to my knees. There's a healthy fear of God. But God's not here to make us fear in the way maybe we ought to fear, you know. He's here to set us free. So we live a life free of fear because we fear the God who's the creator and the lover of our soul. I don't know if that makes sense to you, about five of you maybe, but we'll go. So what's the first word of Christmas from the angels? What did the angels say? I said angels always say what? They said it to Mary, fear not, fear not. And this is pretty amazing. Now I want you to think about us. Think about me, maybe you, but if you think about our life, we might be proud of a few things, but we've probably transgressed in many ways. We've all fall short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. And you think about the time you kind of get it together, you learn a little more and realize, well, you got more to learn and you got a little further to go. In fact, life's a journey. I think God wants us to enjoy it, but don't ever stop growing, and part of growing is realizing that you need his help to move to the next level. And it's always a joy to know that, and to know that the word is fear not, but I was considering this, really God's word could have been fear, or to make it modern, be afraid, be very afraid, because you are sinners and God's coming. But no, it wasn't that. That's what it probably should have been. What did we deserve? The wages of sin is right. That's what we all deserve, but the answer and the message is fear not. Wow, what an opposite. All through Bible, all through the Bible, it's fear not. I'll tell you, don't ever, I advise you, say, God, give me what I deserve. Do not do that. It's probably dumber. And then let me get dumbest. Isn't there a movie called Dumber and Dumbest or Dumb, Dumb and Dumber? Okay, let me get dumber. Pray for patience. Duh. If you don't get that, find somebody that's wise and older and ask them, why should you not pray for patience? Okay, I'm going to leave that with you. But you talk about something crazy. Do not be afraid. Fear not. You know, Jesus, when he was on the water and the storm came up and the disciples were freaking out. And as he walks up, they thought it was a ghost. Now remember, give the guys credit. They haven't seen Steven Spielberg movies yet. They haven't seen any of this stuff we've seen. There's nothing like that. And there's this guy walking across. They don't have a clue, you know, the water. And one of the first words he says, fear not. 
So even if you find yourself in a boat and it's sinking, maybe you're in a family circumstance and it's sinking, or you're in a life circumstance and it's really going tough, I want you by faith to reach out and go, I know the words of God to me and my family and my soul is fear not. Don't be afraid. In John 14, 27, the night before when Jesus was speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I've used this at many funerals. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And I'm going to go prepare a place for you and for you. Now that's encouraging. At a time when maybe things are low. I bet every one of us in here have experienced a tough time before. And some people have experienced unbelievable times. And you were talking about... Um, Brittany, and you're talking about people that, you know, one day is one thing, and there's an accident the next day, or, or a loss, or a shock. You know, we, 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 we find something happening that we don't even know what to even say or do. Uh, I think then we need to hear the first words of Christmas, Christmas, fear not. Fear not. Don't fear. Don't fear. I want to fear God in a healthy way. But don't fear what you go through because I know who's got me. Amen? And that's a joy. So in all the hustle and bustle of Christmas this year, and oh, does it get more hustly and bustly every year. And then you get older and think, well, it'll calm down. And then you get grandkids. And then some of you might even, I think there's three or four of you have some great grandkids, bless your heart. And so, you know... And I want you to think about all the things we desire in life and all the things that we have. Power. Power. Someday you will not have power. Everybody we've laid to rest, we don't go over and put some power in their casket. Money. It's gone. You can't carry it with you. I think it's appropriate to build a legacy for your family, take care of your needs, take care of your bills, be an example, pass on appropriateness, probably with boundaries. You know, all of that's good, but you can't take it with you. Ladies, and only ladies, because you're the only ones that are beautiful, beauty doesn't last forever. You can keep going to the doctor. Look at some of these folks in Hollywood. It don't look good on about the third or fourth tight surgery, you know? But they're trying to beat time and beat, you can't, it doesn't last forever. Guys, ability doesn't last forever. I can still do some things, but I I used to not be afraid of heights and y'all know I, I love to hunt and I'll be up in a deer stand working, particularly in my land in Kansas. And Kansas, there's one thing that Kansas almost always has. Like we always have humidity. Even now we have humidity on a day like today, right? They have wind. I've literally been in my deer stands working, getting trimming, and I'm holding on to the tree because it's, say, 40 mile an hour sustained winds and 70 mile an hour gust. Here we would call that a hurricane. But there it's just, it's just a normal windy day, you know. And, and my ability's not what it used to be. I got a little dizzy up there and I'm going, I remember when I rode the first roller coaster and got dizzy and went, I was a youth pastor and we took the kids to IYC in King something in Cincinnati up there, one of these. 
and we had to ride the baddest roller coaster and I had to show the kids I could do it and Dana and I came back and there were a chair, you know, a table there for people waiting, old people waiting, you know. We hit that thing and I mean it was bad. It took 15 minutes for the fluid to kind of quit sloshing all up in my head and all those kind of things. Ability goes, guys, it does, does it not? Health. If you're my age and older, you're my hero. Because you it hurts to sleep, guys. We have to get up two and three times in the night. It's just look forward to it, young people. You think you got guts, you haven't got nothing. The energy, the power it takes. So all of those things will pass away. And by the way, the scripture that I shared with you other, earlier is Matthew 10, 28 about fearing that that can destroy, destroy the soul. But I have good news, good news of great joy, a Savior's born. And we want to wind up with that. It's great joy for you and it's great joy for me personally that this Christmas I'm reminded that Jesus sent me a Savior. He didn't send me a prophet. He didn't send me a great teacher. He didn't send me a great preacher. He didn't send me a great example of, uh, of virtue. He didn't send me an example of how you're supposed to live. Yes, he did all of those. But what he sent to me and to you was a Savior. Now, who needs a Savior? Okay, to be saved You've got to have something going on, and it's to realize you're lost. I can't remember who it is, and I should have Googled it, but there's a, a famous pastor, it might have been Billy Sunday or maybe Billy Graham, but he said one of the things that he realized when he was preaching all of his messages is that it wasn't so much about the message of salvation as it was when he, when he tried to lead people to the Lord, they had to realize they were lost. And I'm telling you today, young people, it's true. The world doesn't realize it's lost. You got to realize you're lost and you have a need before a Savior. Now, if you don't believe that, go with a man on a trip that doesn't have his GPS. And I want to ask you a question. Will he stop and ask for directions? No. I actually have told the GPS it's wrong. I'm a man, I know. And by the way, the GPS can be wrong, right? I mean, it can be. But if you check it and your phone and you know, get all the updates, you're probably there. Yes, the angelic message was unto you as born a Savior, Christ the Lord. What did Jesus come to do? We know in Luke it said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I think sometimes we complicate the message and it really needs to be simple that Jesus Christ came and the ladies did a great job. Thank you for reading what you read today. And the songs were beautiful and what was shared. The message of Christmas is a Savior has come because there's no way for us to go to God but due to Jesus Christ coming, it's great news. There's no more condemnation for those who are now in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a joy? 
We can come in today, maybe have struggles or whatever, but if we make it right with God or even at your home, wherever you are, you can go out those doors and there's no condemnation. You might cognitively know, yes, I messed up. Yes, I did things I'm not proud of. Or maybe I had years of things I'm not proud of. But in Christ, all of that's covered by his blood. You're saved. What a beautiful, beautiful illustration. Who needs a doctor? Someone who's sick. Who needs a savior? Someone's lost. And here's what I'll tell you. Everyone is lost, whether they realize it or not. There is none righteous, no, not one. And you know, from time to time, I even notice in my life, yes, I'm saved, I love God, but I might need to rededicate. I might, I might be on the track and, and I'm on the road, but I get off the track a little bit, or, or maybe I kind of am going down a train track, if you will, toward, I'm, I'm on the right road, but every now and then I see something shiny on the side down there in the ditch, and being so I'm look, always looking for something, you know. I go down there to check it out. It might be worth putting in my pocket. It might be something I need. It might be an extra T-post. Yeah, I really need that. And after I cared a little while, why did I do that? Yeah, I don't know about y'all. I'm using it as an illustration in life. Sometimes we get off. Dr. D. James Kennedy, I was recently listening to an old sermon by him. If you don't know him, he pastor. He came up with Evangelism Explosion. He pastored in Coral Gables, Florida, I think a Presbyterian church. The most articulate preacher I have ever heard in my entire life. Articulate, unbelievable, on the radio. And he tells a story for 25 years he was a Christian in leadership, uh, virtuous life, doing all the right things. And one day things began to change and over a period of about a month God began to speak to him and he realized he truly didn't know for sure he was going to heaven. Now this is a guy that's serving God, but he, he kind of was lost. He wasn't, there wasn't joy in what he was doing. There wasn't purpose in what he was doing. I'm not talking about getting weary and well-doing. I'm talking it was like he was doing it because he was raised to do it. Does that make sense? You cannot be saved based on the family you're in. And I'm going to bust a big bubble. You cannot be a Christian because you were raised in the United States of America. America is not a Christian nation anymore. And even if it was, you're not saved by that. It's when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, not a preacher, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, you know what, I'm not sure where I'm going, I'm lost. Or, as I said earlier, I've gotten off the track a little bit. I need to get back on the track and the Holy Spirit tells you that and then what do you do? You realize you need a savior. Now, am I saying you get saved and saved and saved? Through the years, I've pastored some folks that have been saved many times. No, you're saved typically one time, but a lot of backsliding might happen. There might be some things in life that happen, and there may be rededications that need to happen. Do you follow what I'm saying? I don't even care if you call it getting re-saved. The point is, whenever God's Spirit speaks to you, or fear comes in your life of the unknown, or you face an experience that you don't know what's up, remember the words, fear not, a Savior is born. There is an answer. Turn to me. So when things in life go bad and you're not doing good, there's a tendency many times to 
God, you did this to me. I lost my child or some horrible thing happens. What do we do? I hate you, God. I don't like you, God. I run away. When what should we do? Run to him. And if you run to God, you know what the Bible tells me? God is already running to you. Remember the prodigal son? God ran. I love this in the prodigal son story. When he came to his senses, that'll preach. Aaron, that'll preach. When he came to his senses, he realized, oh my goodness. He had one of those moments, I'm off the track. Do you follow what I'm saying? I'm messed up. I'm lost. And he started going home and God ran to him. And God will run to you. No matter what you are or where you are, God will run to you. What an amazing Amazing story of good news. So there's good news of great joy. Because unto you and I is born a sinner. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps die for a person that meant a lot, like a child or whatever. But God showed his great love to us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. So I conclude with saying, let us receive the good news. Don't run from it, receive it. Let us respond by going, coming to our senses. Yes, I want to receive this good news. And here's what I know. When you receive it, you'll be on a journey and you'll experience the same thing the shepherds did. You'll see something phenomenal. But I'm not good enough. I just told you the shepherds were kind of scum. Jesus did a lot of his preaching among common and lowly people, right? There's nothing you can do or anyone you counsel or work with can do to be away from the love of God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Read Psalms 139. It says you can literally go to the gates of hell. You cannot get away from God's love. It's powerful. And then finally, they relayed the good news. When God's done something for you or inside you he's done something, you can't help but talk about it. When I kill a monster buck, I try to be humble, but it's hard. I got to talk about it. You know, if you've got a cool Mustang or a cool Chevrolet, Brother G, you try to be humble, but you're going to show it. If, whatever it is in your life that you're excited about that means you're going to share it. So here's what I'm doing. Just share it. Now, people are changed today. It's a weird world. It doesn't mean that you necessarily don't beat them over the head with four spiritual laws or saying, if you died right now, where are you going? You're going to hell and blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. You know what I think the best thing to do? First of all, accept Jesus Christ, rededicate your life to him and make sure it's right so that the Spirit of God can flow through you and I. And smile. For some of you, just smiling would be good. Amen? Would you bow? Father, I pray that the words that we heard in the reading of your word, fear not. Good news of great joy for unto us in this room is born a Savior. Oh God, may we run to you. May we seek you. And when we face tough times in life, may we still run to you and seek you 
and may you save us and restore us. Oh God, we're unworthy that this babe was born for ourselves, for our soul, for our life, for our restoration. Thank you for the love. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, God, for sending. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for maintaining and empowering us. I pray blessings on every person in this room. And God, if there is by chance someone here not sure how they are with you, may they simply confess that concern, that feeling, that situation, that, that fault, that sin, that struggle, and confess it to you so that there will be no condemnation. May you enter their life and give them the power and the strength to overcome because their desire is pure. We love you, God. We need you, God. We thank you, God. And all God's people said, amen. amen.